Hi, everyone, and welcome to Spill It, the Gwinnett County Public Library's podcast all about YA literature. And this is normally the part where I'd say two of us love YA and one does not, but Sarah could not be here today, and I think everyone here today enjoys YA. I'm Catherine, Teen Services Librarian, and I love YA. I'm Patty, Youth Services Manager, and I love YA. And we have a special guest joining us today to help us discuss some books. I'm Erin, and I also love YA. For once, we're all in agreement. (laughs) (laughs) So let's tell everyone what we're reading right now. I'll go ahead and start, and I'm reading a graphic novel by Cami Garcia. It's The Teen Titans Raven. It's illustrated by Gabriel Piccolo. If you're familiar with the Teen Titans, then you know the character, but it's about Raven who survives a tragic accident that took the life of her foster mom and all of her memories. She moves to New Orleans to a new foster family to recover and rediscover herself. But now inexplicable things are happening around Raven, and it may be that she's more than meets the eye. What about you, Patty? What are you reading? So I am reading one of the books that I'm going to talk about later because um, one of the things we're talking about is required reading and we had a large list to choose from. And I had read this before. It's called The Secret History by Donna Tartt. I had read it before and I was going to talk about it and then I picked it up and opened it up and got sucked back in all over again. It's that good. So clearly it's a good one and maybe you should read it. Everyone should read it. Well, if it's on your list go ahead and read it. This is one of those books that I buy multiple copies, like whenever I'm in like a used bookstore. And so I have multiple copies in my house just to hand out and give to people. I like it that much. See, I collect the Harry Potter books, the covers, because they're they're all unique, but I'm not going to give those away to people. Oh yeah, they all look the same. (laughs) Except my personal copy is a hardback copy that was printed upside down and backwards. So I I keep that one for myself. I would keep the unique one, yeah. What about you, Erin? What are you reading? Um, I am reading Out There Into the Queer New Yonder. Um, It is the conclusion of a trio of anthologies. Um, It started with All Out and Out Now, and um, this is Out There. So it features 17 original short stories set in the future from fantastic queer YA authors, and I'm very much enjoying it. That sounds really good. I think I read the first one. Yeah. Are they all science fiction or? So far. So far, they're all pretty, like, spacey, pretty out there. (laughs) <laughs> hence the name <laughs> okay so the other two books in the anthology are that they all have oh i actually haven't read those i oh, um okay. this came in a book crate okay one of my, yeah one of my mailbox crates so um i just read it because of that but we'll have to tell sarah about this one because she likes the yeah she does science, like science fiction. fiction stuff are any of them like science fiction dystopian yeah for sure i will then love it <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we're on to today's topic, and if you listen to the little blurb I put out a couple weeks ago, we had some issues recording our podcast for American Road Trip, so we're going to semi-quickly talk about American Road Trip now before we get on to today's topic, which was required reading, where we took a look at some of the books on the required summer reading list from our local high schools. But who wants to start with American Road Trip? I guess I'll turn it over to Patty, because you're the one who chose this book. Okay. Um, I picked this book because I was looking for something. It was going to come out on the 4th of July and it was very Americana. And I was like, what's more American than a road trip? It's literally called American Road Trip. What's more American than that? And I really, I enjoyed this book. 
it's interesting that we are combining it with the required reading because it is also required reading. It's on a ninth grade list. Brookwood. At Brookwood. And the whole time I was reading this book, which is about uh, Teodoro and his brother comes back from fighting in the Iraqi war and is suffering from PTSD and is um, suicidal. And their sister basically tricks them into going on this road trip down to New Mexico to work on their uncle's chili farm. And it felt to me, the whole time I was reading this book, I wanted it to be more, some something else. I wanted, I wanted more depth or more something. I felt like it, it didn't, it felt very simplistic. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't get that same. Huh. To it me, felt, it felt very real. Like It felt very real, but also, I guess maybe it's right on that cusp between middle school and high school for me, for like reading level and like who I would give it to. It's definitely, even though the character is older, it, it reads to me like a younger book. I, okay, I could, I could see that. Like an older middle school, like maybe... Maybe seventh grade, but eighth grade for sure. Mm -hmm. The topic is not particularly young, but the writing is. It feels like there's a lot of just, there's not a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of him talking about their dialogue. A lot of him talking about what they talked about. Um, And it's very, it feels very surface. There's not like a, a lot of delving into his real emotions around what is happening. Like, I wish it had been just a little bit deeper. I don't know. I feel like at the end you get the emotional element, especially after like there's a traumatic scene. Yes, I do say all this and then I admit that I cried at the end. So, so like so clearly there were some emotions, but it, it just I I wish I'd had that through the whole book. I guess maybe. I don't know. It Also, I didn't like anybody in this book. Really? I mean, they were fine. I felt like Sarah I was like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like Sarah liked the book. I feel like we talked about it briefly before she wasn't here. <laughs> we switched places. So yeah, I, um, it was fine, I think is how I feel about this book. I don't know. See, in my notes, like I had, like, I felt like the author did a great job at portraying the effects of PTSD, like for the person suffering with it, but also how it trickles down to your you know, your family members or your friends, like your circle of people. Yes, I do agree that he that they he did a very good job. Patrick Flores Scott uh, did a very good job doing that. I'm probably going to agree with everything you say. I think it <laughs> just wasn't my either. I wasn't in the mood for it, or it wasn't my jam, or I don't I don't know. It was like I said, I it's fine. I really social in it. The sister, the way she kept lying to keep them on this road trip. And she like basically just took them. I, I, I just. I didn't care for the manipulation, um, yeah. honestly. Cause like he had a whole job and like a whole tutor and like a whole thing, you know, he was trying to do for himself and to just take him out of that was kind of like, mm, I don't know about this. And it yeah. worked out for the best. And like, it worked out well. Yeah, it worked but out, but I didn't, I didn't care for I that. Mean, <laughs> she did sacrifice her own kind sure, of absolutely. dreams too. I mean. I did like the character development in here. For me, it was good. And I felt like each character kind of had their own agenda. 
So they like were each doing different things, which brought like a bigger story instead of just being like a pinpoint focus. Yes. And I do like that Teodoro grows. Yes. Like there is a lot of growth there. I wish, I think I want to read the grown up version of this book that is from Manny's perspective. Same. <laughs> that would be a good one. Same. Right? Yeah. It would definitely have to be an adult book, but I, I'm really interested in, in Manny. Um, I agree. And to be fair to, I'm going to say her name wrong. So she, so she, yeah. Um, there's a lot of that like behind the back kind of, I'm doing this for your own good between all of the siblings. So, I mean, it's not just her, <laughs> to be fair. That is true. It is, that apparently is how these people yeah. show love <laughs> is to do things behind their siblings back. Their parental unit was kind of like, I don't know, like there but absent. So this would, is this one you think Sarah would call a practical, they'd be practical orphans or were they present enough? I don't know because it felt like they they had their own thing like that's a whole nother book like it, it, because the parents are here but they're clearly having their own issues right and but they're not present in their lives that's and why once I'm the like, kids are gone yeah you hear from them like once or twice like if somebody calls them well i did notice near the end when theodore calls them to tell them what happened to manny the parents are like we know because Manny called us like days after it happened and that they talk to Tia Ed every day. So apparently, yes, they are present. It's just, they're not present in Teodoro's head and he's the one who's telling us the story. So like. True. So I wonder what Sarah would call this. We'll have to ask her later. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> if that's really the parents being absent as much as it is that Tio is a teenager so focused on his own story that. It could be. Yes. yes. We're just and not even, we're not even thinking about the parents because Tio's not thinking about the parents. And he is very focused on his story. He is very focused. <coughs> He's but not. I'm, I'm surprised the parents didn't call him after Manny told them what happened because it was kind of intense for T. Ah, yes. I feel like my parent would have called me. <laughs> I don't know, though, because... T had left them at that point. He'd already moved out. He moved into his best friend's house early on, yeah. even before the road trip. I really loved that friendship too. I really loved the friendship between T and, and Caleb because it just felt, that felt very real. I will agree. Yes, this book feels very real. Even the relationship with Wendy, whether he's like, I was going to say, we got to bring Wendy in here. Immediately somewhere. in love with Wendy enough to change his entire life. Well, and then that's how teenagers love right yeah i was like that was very it's and then that they get together and then they break up and then they get together and like it's just it felt very much like a teenage relationship you're like oh yep that's yes i got a little mad at wendy because i feel like even though she has an absent father and she's had a single mom and like her life has not been super easy. It also feels like she has had a more privileged life than T and the fact that she got mad because he didn't tell her everything that has been going on in his life and all the bad stuff and all of his feelings about Manny. I'm like, you're teenagers. And in this case, you've known each other for maybe like half a year, maybe a year. And this is some heavy stuff and you're not going to bring, anyway, I've, I was like, I don't think she's giving him enough credit or that's none of her business or I, I just felt, we, I didn't like that 
I was like, mm. I did not. Yeah, I didn't love the relationship at first. By the end, I did yes. like the relationship. Same. Uh, but it took me a minute to get there. Yeah. But it, it did make me question, like, <laughs> am I too old now for these relationships? That, like, I read them, I'm just like, ugh. Instead of being like, <laughs> yay. I'm like. <laughs> well, I like so other other relationships and other books that we've read I've liked. Right, yeah. I'm going to say no. I'm still young. I find I still I still enjoy the relationship in the book, but yeah. there are times where I definitely roll my eyes. Right. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah that teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for any teens listening. I'm to this. Maybe not the best thing to say on a YA podcast. <laughs> they know. They feel that way themselves. I remember feeling very just disgusted with other teenagers when I was a teenager. That is very true. But that's because I feel like most teenagers are very self-centered and self-focused. So, yeah, they're the important part of the story. So that kind of is true here. Like, right. this is why T is the main focus of this story. But, like, that's why they don't have time for other people's drama. At times it did feel like I was reading two different books. <laughs> like, what's that? The romance book? And then the, like, dealing with your family and PTSD stuff. And I was like, okay. Okay. True. Yeah. Yeah. Let's give a couple quick read alikes before we get on to our required reading. Okay. Patty, do you have one? I do. I am going way back here. It is a book from 2009, which makes me feel ancient because I still think of this as a new book and it is clearly not. It is called Going Bovine by Libba Bray. It won the Prince Award in. 2009 I think um, and this is the story of 16 year old Cameron who like T is just sort of coasting through life playing video games and just kind of wants to get through life with the minimum of effort and then one day he is diagnosed with Creutzfeldt Jacob disease which is like the human version of mad cow disease and uh, it's fatal and so he's in the hospital and he meets Dulcie who is a punk rock angel with wings and possibly she's a hallucination, but he's not sure. And he, she says that there is a cure from mysterious Dr. X and he breaks out of the hospital with the help of Gonzo, who is a death obsessed video gaming dwarf and a yard gnome who might be the Viking god Balder. And they go on a road trip. And the road trip is just as weird as the rest of that description. They're, they go up against snow globe manufacturers and they take on a cult of happiness hippies. And they also have a parallel universe hopping physicist, mythic New Orleans jazz musicians, and a whacked out television game show host. And all of this uh, is so he can find this mysterious Dr. X and get the cure for his disease. So that's the road trip element. It is a very, very odd book. It's very funny. And ultimately you're never quite sure if it's actually happening or if Cameron the whole time, if he's just in the hospital hallucinating this stuff and you're never it's never actually I'm, I'm not really spoiling anything it's never answered you never know so the people who read this book uh it's up to the readers and their takeaway of of what they think 
is happening in this book. What about you, Catherine? Do you have a read alike? I do, and mine is also very old. <laughs> it's actually from 2008 and Ooh, was a Prince Honor book. So <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's An Abundance of Catherines by John Green. It's appropriate, right? Since my name's Catherine. <laughs> no, every, like way back when, when I first read it, everybody was like, have you read this book? And would always make a joke because Because oh, your my name's name. Catherine. Yep, exactly. I was like, I guess I should. <laughs> so you read it. <laughs> I did read it. Resentfully. And I did like it. It's probably the first, I think it's the first John Green book I ever read. But I didn't realize how old it was until I was taking my notes for this. And I was like, oh my God, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> but this one is really only a read alike in that there's a road trip. It's definitely on the lighter side and it'll make you laugh, which I thought was a good counterpoint. In this book, we have Colin and his type is girls named Catherine and they always dump him. In fact, he has dated 19 different Catherines. And that's all I'm going to say. Because as you're going through the road trip in the book, you're learning more about each of the Catherines. How old is he? You know, I'm not sure. <laughs> but he's a teenager. Yeah. And he's dated 19 Catherines. Yeah. I don't remember how old he is, and I didn't write that in my notes. That's just impressive knowing 19 Catherines. <laughs> I have met more Catherines working for this library system than ever, just, just so you know. Huh. When, when I was at Hamilton Mill Branch, there were three of us. <laughs> Who's ready to talk about required reading? <laughs> Woo! I will go ahead and admit as a high schooler, I, was, I think I've said this before on the podcast, I was terrible about getting required reading assignments. Did not want to read them. I never wanted to read them. Well, yeah, no, I never wanted to read them. Same. Like, even if the book was great, like, I struggled to get through it because I was being told I had to read this. It's interesting because you we were focusing on the required reading of current high school students. So we went through like lists from schools here. And I what I was struck by was like how different they are from my lists. My list was all old white men. That, and I think there was like one year we read Flannery O'Connor, which, which I did not understand as a 10th grader <laughs> at all. I was like, I do not get this. And then we read a, a Virginia Woolf book, I think. No. Eudora Welty. We read a Eudora Welty book. But other than that, it was all all white men and and nothing that could would be considered young adult. It was all grown up stuff. So I like that the, the lists are now are more diverse and also have YA actual young adult books on them, which is pretty cool. And that's interesting because I put North Gwinnett's reading on the list because I am a North Gwinnett alum. For anybody listening out there that goes to North Gwinnett, <laughs> send me an email. No, just kidding. <laughs> Please. <laughs> but the list has not changed over the several years. I'll just say several years since I've graduated. And it's North been several, several years, but. Looking at this, North Gwinnett's is the one that is the closest to what I was reading in high school. It's still very full of like classic literature, but this is from the AP Literature and Composition Unit. But I had to read these books even when I wasn't in AP. Like these were my assigned reading for like 10th grade. 
I am remember ninth grade, but tenth grade. Ninth grade, I can remember. Ninth grade was the year of death for me. We read Death Be Not Proud, Cold Sassy Tree, Romeo and Juliet, Of Mice and Men. Um, somebody died in uh, Charles Dickens. Uh, we read um, Oliver Twist and Tale of Two Cities. We read two, we read two Dickens in a year. Um, I might still be bitter about that, Mr. Spoon. Did you have a favorite like that you can remember reading from high school that you something that you really loved that you had to read? Like even looking back, you're like, okay, yes, that was a good book. Either of you? I did, yeah. <laughs> what was yours, Erin? Um, In the Lake of the Woods by Tim O'Brien. Yeah, I had to read it. It was on the list. And um, I was one of those that tended to wait until the last minute. So I often had to choose whatever book was available. Because if you were to go to the library, um, it was probably not going to get that book because there were going to be holds on it if it was one of the more popular ones. Um, so I think that I chose that one because it was available. And I ended up really liking it. And I think they made a movie out of it. Very cool. The um, look on Catherine's face when I asked that question, <laughs> you could see it was like, sure, I do. A misunderstanding did not uh, did not compute. <laughs> well, I am going to talk about one that I that was required reading that I did read and enjoy. Okay, because I'll recommend it to you. But the other one that I wanted to read was and like was The Great Gatsby, but I could I, I never fully committed to it. Because, I, I mean, I knew the story or the basics of the story, but I never, like, actually finished reading that book. <laughs> I did. I read that one, and I, I did enjoy that one. What I think is particularly, what it, and it's so funny, what I remember from high school is I read that book, and I remember liking that book. And the test that he gave, I did not do well on because it was all about symbolism and what things meant and all this stuff and I was like I don't get this and he I, I he actually told me if I'd read the cliff notes I would have gotten it and I was like no I'm sorry I read the book <laughs> might still be bitter about that I think if I gave it a try today I might like it I do if I had had more time I wanted to go back and reread some of the books that I'd remember not really liking, but think I would probably like today. Like I know we read Wise Blood by Flannery O'Connor in 10th grade and that book made no sense to me. I did not understand anything that happened in that book, but I am pretty sure now as an adult, I would appreciate and enjoy that book. Which I think is one of the reasons I like that so many of these lists have young adult books on them now because it's nice to stretch your legs and read some some like, adult things but I'm looking at this list and like crime and punishment and Moby Dick and that these these are books that even Jane Eyre they're they're good books but they're also I I would not have appreciated them in high school <laughs> yeah I mean um I know that you've said that you did not care for the Scarlet Letter but to your point um that was published in 1850 so you know <laughs> there might be a reason I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, just just maybe not uh, as current a read as could be found. As American Road Trip, which is on the list for Brookwood High School. So I was like, yes, I like that this book about Hispanic American kids is on a list at a high school in Gwinnett County. That's really cool. 
Well, let me tell you about the book I did read. Yes, tell us about that and what, that you liked. I read, finished, and I actually enjoyed it. So if it's on your list, I do recommend giving it a giving it a shot. It's Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston. And I did more research on this one since, you know, it's been quite some time since I actually read it. But it was first published in 1937, but was out of print for almost 30 years before being reissued in the 70s. And some of the stuff I was reading uh, is saying it was because it has a strong black female protagonist. I can see that. That's what I was going to say. And I am very glad they brought it back. (laughs) So it's a classic from the Harlem Renaissance, and it's now possibly the most widely read and highly acclaimed novel in the canon of African-American literature as a strong black female protagonist, like I said, Janie Crawford, and this one will take you through her journey to find true love. Her story unfolds as she tells it to her friend Phoebe and spans over nearly 40 years of her life from being raised by her grandmother through the successes and tragedies of her three marriages. I have not read that one. That's one I, I think I need to, to put on my list. My a never-ending, ever-growing list. <laughs> I feel like it's one of those ones you should read. People should know this book. Okay. Who wants to go next? Okay, I'll go. <laughs> um, one of the books I read is called Educated by Tara Westover. It is a memoir. I'm just going to read the description, if that's okay. <laughs> um, Tara Westover was 17 the first time she set foot in a classroom born to survivalist in the mountains of Idaho. She prepared for the end of the world by stockpiling home can peaches and sleeping with her head for the hills bag. Her family doesn't believe in doctors relying on herbalism to help with everything from burns, concussions, gashes, and childbirth. They also don't believe in formal education, keeping Tara and her siblings so isolated from mainstream media that they are without knowledge of huge historical events like the Holocaust or the Civil Rights Movement. This is the story of Tara's journey through self-education, self-invention, and self-actualization as she eventually separates from her family and pursues degrees from Brigham Young, Harvard, and Cambridge. Um, it's a really interesting story. I don't know how you manage to um, teach yourself enough to get into college because <laughs> this wasn't even just like homeschooling. This was um, like with the help of her brother. Now, uh, is this a true story? Yeah. Yeah, it's a memoir. Um, this was on one of the 12th grade lists, which I would say it's definitely upper. Um, just because of the content, there is a pretty um, abusive sibling in the mix of this, but um yeah, she ends up with the help of one of her brothers who also like got out and got educated, um, hence the title. Um, yeah, manages to get into Brigham Young and then Harvard and then Cambridge. It's <laughs> an amazing story. Yeah. And then she wrote a book. She did. And so um, I just happened to pick this up this year, actually, and then saw it on the list. And yeah, I really enjoyed that one, actually. I'm not really a big nonfiction reader, but Maybe a memoir. I'll have to. I do like memoirs I, more than yeah. most nonfiction. Yeah, I was gonna say I I like the biographical. What did you read, Patty? So one of the ones I picked uh, was off of the ninth grade Brookwood list, and it's called Dread Nation by Justina Ireland. This is a book for me that uh, I was surprised I liked as much as I did because it is about zombies and I don't like zombies. But uh, this book is about Jane McKean and she was born two days before the dead 
just got up and started walking around on the battlefield of Gettysburg. And so she is now a teenager. And of course, you know, uh, the dead rising changed the whole war between the states thing because suddenly they had um, more important things to worry about. And so she lives in a world where black and Native American kids basically are taken to be trained in how to kill zombies. She is in training to become an attendant. So this is someone who is trained in weaponry and etiquette and travels around with well-to-do white girls to protect them both from the undead and um, unwelcome advances from various and sundry men. And she's not particularly happy with that life, but that is the life that she has. Her plans are to finish getting her education at Miss Preston School of Combat in Baltimore and then return to her Kentucky home to find her mother. And and there's like a whole thing with what was going on with her mom. And she doesn't really pay attention to politics or what's going on. And the first part of the book is set in Baltimore and families of well-to-do people, um, people are starting to go missing. And she starts doing some digging and there's more to this zombie thing and what's happening than than she thought. And this book, she ends up going out west and it becomes sort of this combination of western and zombies and it's really, really interesting. It doesn't have a ton of zombies in it for a zombie book, so that was why I was kind of cool with it. Like, okay, I can deal with the level of zombie in in this book. Um, nothing super, super gross, nothing super, super scary, but enough to, to keep you interested. And it's definitely action-packed, and it has a lot to say about race relations. And it's definitely an interesting book to have on a reading list for summer, because there are, there's a lot of layers to this book. It's very much just at the top layer. It's a fun story about this girl who kills zombies and it's an action-packed adventure novel, but there's a lot of stuff happening in it. It's the first book in a duology and Justina Ireland is, does an amazing job with it. And I think it would be a really fun book to talk about in a school. Like I, I think it's a really interesting choice to have on a reading list. What about you, Catherine? So here's another one that I actually did read. <laughs> <laughs> it's Othello by Shakespeare. I really liked this story, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of like into you have the, to make excuses for liking Shakespeare. I know. Oh. Well, I'm kind of into the tragedy, or especially as a teen, I was very much into the tragedies. <laughs> did you have to read Romeo and Juliet? Yeah. Did you like that one? Yeah. Yeah. But okay. Interesting. I did. I did too. But that's another one with very, like, teenage love. For sure. I to me. Did, so we read, we I read. I mean, they literally gave their lives for each other, dumbly, but still. God. I dislike that one because it's Shakespeare's, co- it's like every single thing that Shakespeare does in a comedy, he does in that, but then he, like, kills them. And it's like, wait, what? No, that's not what's supposed to happen. Um, but... I no, I wasn't. I wasn't a tragedies fan. I liked Much Ado and um, As You Like It. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Wow. Maybe you didn't go through your emo phase at the same time that we did. I apparently <laughs> didn't. Yeah. I, was I was very, very emo. I was going to say, I was very emo. We almost said that. I really liked Macbeth. <laughs> no, not emo. No, I, I didn't like Macbeth. <laughs> oh, is that not emo enough for no. you? No. no. <laughs> they're older in that, I think. <laughs> well, I mean, Othello, they're older in Othello, I'm like, too. they're older in Othello. Well, Othello is old. <laughs> They're all better than Coriolanus, trust me. <laughs> that one's terrible. Anyway, back to Othello. Yes, back to Othello. <laughs> it's a tragedy in five acts. It was published, of course, in the 1600s. All right, so long story short, we have Othello, a heroic black general in the service of Venice. Then we have Iago, who becomes super jealous when Othello makes Cassio his chief lieutenant over Iago. So now Iago plots to bring Othello down by claiming Othello's wife, Desdemona. I just thought that was like the best name ever at the time. I don't know why. <laughs> is having an affair with Cassio. So Iago is aided in his plot by his wife and fellow foe, Rodrigo. Othello falls for this ruse and things happen. I don't want to spoiler it for you, but if, you are, if you've read or are familiar with Romeo and Juliet, this one has kind of a similar ending. And there's also a movie adaptation of this one. And I forgot to mention, there's also a movie adaptation of Their Eyes Were Watching God. But for both of these, read the books and then maybe watch the movie. I would also say there is a play called Desdemona, a play about a handkerchief by Paula Vogel. That if you have read Othello and enjoyed it, you should check that play out as well. Okay. Aaron, do you have another one? I do. Um, I also read The Prince and the Dressmaker. It's a graphic novel by Jin Wong. Um, Prince Sebastian is looking for a bride, or rather his parents are looking for one for him. Sebastian is too busy hiding his secret life from everyone. At night, he puts on daring dresses and takes Paris by storm as the fabulous lady Cristalia, the hottest fashion icon in the world capital of fashion. Sebastian's secret weapon is his brilliant dressmaker, Francis, his best friend and one of only two people who know the truth. Sometimes this boy wears dresses. But Francis dreams of greatness, and being someone's secret weapon means also being a secret. Forever. How long can Francis defer her dreams to protect her friend? I really enjoyed this book. I really enjoyed it as well. I've also read it. I have also read it. I really like it. <laughs> and <laughs> Cristalia is a good name, too. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> love it. And I love... I love the art in that book. I love the dresses in that book. I They're too. beautiful. Patty, you got another. And I'm, before you even start talking, you said you didn't like zombies, but I'm pretty sure this one has zombies in it too. Yeah, it's weird how that read has that worked out. <laughs> <laughs> so I say I don't like yeah. that. I when don't you said like that, zombies. I was like side-eyeing <laughs> your, your book there. I didn't even think about that. I also read The Bone Houses by Emily Lloyd-Jones, which again is on that ninth grade. Uh, this is ninth grade, but it is for Duluth High School. The Bone Houses is in, yeah, it is, it is a book about zombies. You are correct. <laughs> I've read it. I'm, I'm very sure that there are zombies in there. Well, they're not called zombies. I know. They're called Bone Houses, which I'm makes aware. it very different. <laughs> they're still uh, dead, rewalking. Or rewalking, whatever. Rewalking. <laughs> we are all just bone houses. You are correct. My skin is my bone house. <laughs> Do you ever just look at your skin and think, "Wow, this is quite a house for my bones." 
How does it stay? This is gross. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is, like I said, uh, also a a book about zombies. Um, 17-year-old Rin only cares about two things, her family and her family's graveyard, and they bury the dead in her little village that is, of course, by a mysterious wood. Her parents are um, dead because she is, in fact, an orphan. This is a book Sarah wouldn't like. (laughs) Um, And so she knows that sometimes the dead don't stay dead. Sometimes they get up and she has to take care of what they call bone houses, which is their version of uh, zombies or walking dead or things like that. And um, a map maker comes to town. And of course he has a mysterious past. And the bone houses like get super active and they go after this guy and like nobody really knows why. And so they, of course, the two of them have to go into the mysterious woods to find out if they, what's going on and if they can stop them. And so they go into the mountains and I really, really liked this book. It has um, elements. It's very Welsh. Emily Lloyd-Jones was inspired by Welsh mythology. And if you've ever seen uh, The Black Cauldron or read The Black Cauldron books, this has to do with that. There is a cauldron and it can bring people back to life. And you don't want something like that if it gets broken. (laughs) Um, Bad things happen. And I really enjoyed this book. I also really liked that the guy in it, Ellis, has lives with chronic pain. And her description of that is very well done and I so I liked that 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 was an element in the book and he's not ever less because of it it's just he has to work around that limitation and stuff as he's tramping through the woods and it also has a a zombie goat which might be my favorite character (laughs) same the zombie goat is really great (laughs) I was always concerned about the goat right it's not, words I never thought I would say. I really loved the zombie goat. <laughs> and this is another one. I, I think it's a nice book to have on a reading list because there, there, again, you could teach it because it does have ties to myth and uh, legend. And there's a lot of different things that are happening in there. But it is, again, disguised as a fun adventure novel, but there's a lot of things that are happening on in this book. Do you have another one, Catherine? I do. I have one more. It's Hey Kiddo by Jarrett J. Krasaska. This one's a graphic novel, so I highly recommend, not just because it's short and full of lots of pictures, but it is also a great story. This one is also a memoir. And I think the tagline on the front cover sums it up like really, really well. It says, How I Lost My Mother found my father, and dealt with family addiction. So in kindergarten, it starts in kindergarten with Jarrett, and his teacher asks him to draw his family with a mommy and a daddy. But Jarrett's family situation doesn't look like that. His mom is an addict and is in and out of rehab and in and out of his life. He doesn't know who his father is, and he's being raised by his maternal grandparents. Jarrett goes through his childhood, trying to make his life as normal as possible, finding a way to express himself through his drawings 
and only as a teenager does he begin to piece things together, the truth of his family, coming to terms with his mother, and tracking down his father. Patty, you've got one more? I do. Uh, And for my last book, I went older. I picked a book from the Grayson AP Lit List. This book is the book I was talking about earlier, The Secret History by Donna Tartt. This is Donna Tartt's first book, and it came out in 1992. This is an an older, older book, and it is um, kind of it launched that dark academia style books. And this book is, um, well, I'll read the little description that comes with it. Under the influence of their charismatic classics professor, a group of clever, eccentric misfits at an elite New England college discover a way of thinking and living that is a world away from the life, humdrum existence of their contemporaries. But when they go beyond the boundaries of normal morality, their lives are changed profoundly and forever, and they discover how hard it can be to truly live and how easy it is to kill. So this book has been dubbed a reverse murder mystery. Because it starts out, um, it is by told by a um, from the perspective of Richard, and he is um, kind of the outsider of this group. He is the one that comes into it, and it starts out with them talking about how it's been uh, Bunny's been dead for several weeks, and you're like, what? And this is the story of Richard who transfers to this small liberal arts college in Vermont and he has studied Greek ancient Greek and he wants to keep taking ancient Greek and so he's like well can I take ancient Greek and his advisor's like "Mm, no the ancient Greek professor he's very picky and he's like what he's like he doesn't let anybody in his classes and he's like all right so he goes to try to get into the class and he's like no you can't get into the class because the class is five people and uh, these five people in this class and Richard eventually um, ingratiates himself with them and gets included in their class and into their lives and it's the story of how they end up turning on one of their own and killing him bunny and so you start with the the murder and it, it works backwards and like and then it goes back to the when Richard just transfers and it tells you the story of how they got to the point where they had to kill Bunny and then what happens afterwards to these characters and um, all of the impact that this murder has on them and their lives. Interesting. Uh, part of that is kind of reminding me of Only Murders in the Building. Oh, I haven't seen that. No, yet. I'm just like how it starts with the murder mm-hmm. and uh-huh. then like they go backwards, like back to the beginning. I really, really like this book. I, uh, clearly, I was telling you how I, I give this out to everybody. It, Even though it is set in a town in Vermont, it feels very Southern Gothic. And it was interesting reading this after reading, like directly after reading American Road Trip. Because like what I was saying about American Road Trip and how American Road Trip feels very simplistic and like, like an eighth, like written for an eighth grader or a ninth grader, this book, just even the language and the sentence structure, it's it's just so much more complex. And 
I mean, that's the difference between a ninth grader and a 12th grader too. Like this is not a book I would give a ninth grader, but this is, I read this when I was in 12th grade the first time and I just, I fell in love with it. And I would totally give this to, to an 18, 17 year old and be like this, read this. This is the adult book you need to read. (laughs) Well, hopefully after hearing all of our choices, you find one you want to read. <laughs> Let us know if you read one of ours. <laughs> Let us know if you like any of your summer reading choices. Well, we are at the end and it is time to do our assigned reading for the next episode. And it is actually Sarah's turn. Oh, luckily, no. luckily, I know oh, what good. she was going to assign. The theme, of course, of the next one is dystopian. <sighs> <laughs> Yes. Um, And it is Electric Kingdom by David Arnold. This one has a pandemic. Oh, too real, too real. It leaves a shell of the world that once was. Our main character is one of few survivors. It's 18-year-old Nico, accompanied by her dog, Harry. And they're on a voyage devised by Nico's father to find a mythical portal. She encounters a few other survivors along the way, each on their own quest to find life and love in a world gone dark. I will admit I'm a little over dystopians, but I'm going to give it a try. I don't know. I'm like, oh, a pandemic. (laughs) Well, it's required reading for you, Patty. You have to read it. It does have a beautiful cover. I know that's not Patty's favorite, but I am a judge of book by its cover, so I am optimistic. I mean, I don't have to read it, but I will be reading it. (laughs) (laughs) it's not required of you it is not required but i love sarah so i'm gonna read it oh nice (laughs) oh i'll read it with an open mind do try i don't dislike dystopia well mm, i don't know we'll see i'll have things to say maybe i'll love it This has been another episode of Spill It by the Gwinnett County Public Library. I'm Catherine. I'm Patty. And I'm Erin. And we want you to join us next time as we spill the tea on the dystopian novel, Electric Kingdom. Remember to like, review, and subscribe. And until next time, keep reading. <laughs>